Hi everyone, I'm Annabelle, and you're listening to Love and Audio Diary, where I unpack a lesson on love from my week. Grateful to have you listening. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Love and Audio Diary. It's been a hot minute, but today I am so excited to have with me my childhood friend, Jenna, who is actually the first guest on this podcast. Jenna is a childhood friend of mine, and her story is one I'm personally inspired by, particularly the fact that in three years, she went from dating the love of her life, Ben, to marrying him and now becoming the mom of her one-year-old, Lana, all by the age of 25. It's a narrative that's pretty uncommon in an age of lean-in and quote-unquote female empowerment. So join us as we talk about intentional dating, embracing traditional motherhood over career climbing, and also some of Jenna's greatest lessons in love. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so tell me a bit about yourself, Jenna. Who are you? And yeah, what's your story? Hi, everyone. Yes, I am Jenna, and I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, In a few hours' time, I will have been a mom for one whole year, so it's quite a milestone for both my baby and I. Um, I've known Annabelle since we were in primary school together. We were classmates in primary one, and one cool thing about that is we have the same birthday, so that was one thing that we bonded over last time, and even now. Yeah, I I also love doing music, um, songwriting. Those are things that I'm passionate about as well. So yeah, I've known Jenna for since we were seven years old. We have the same birthday, 25th September, and we celebrated our 25th birthdays on the 25th of September this year. So yeah, yeah we're so lucky that we have each other as friends. And despite, you know, growing apart because of just we were in just different locations at different times. I moved away. I moved back. Jenna, you know, had a completely new stage of life recently. I think we're so lucky and so blessed that we still, yeah, we're, we're friends. And we've grown, I feel like we've grown a lot closer as, you know, we hit adulthood. So, I mean, Jenna, just, you know, I, I, I said this a bit in the introduction, but, you know, you're a mom at, 25 years old and you've you're gonna be a mom soon of one year so that means you had lana your baby girl when you were 24 right you had just turned 24 Mm -hmm. and you got married what age 2021 so that was (laughs) 2021 you were 23 23 yeah 23 and then you got engaged that year or did you get get engaged the year before I can't remember that same year so I got engaged in February and then I got married in December okay so hold up there okay so you got engaged in February of 2021 mm-hmm. you got married December 2021 yes and then you had Lana End of November. 2022. Yes, November of 2022. Wow. So basically, and then you started dating Ben in 2020. Yeah, pretty much the start of 2020, end of 2019. So in basically like three years, you're, you were a girlfriend, you were a fiancé, you were a wife, now you're a mom of a one-year-old baby. That yeah, is so insane. <laughs> because, it's crazy when you say it like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were just doing that that whole, you know, time lapse. And yeah, you've achieved so much in the last three years. And that just blows my mind because nowadays I hear about couples being couples, just dating for like maybe three years, four years, some even seven, eight years. Then they decide to engage to get engaged, then get married. And then maybe later on, they have a child. But you did all of these three things in three years. So I think that's a super interesting story. And I wanted you to actually come on here because I thought it's a story that, you know, not many people hear about. At least Mm -hmm. in today's day and age where 
we talk about the birth rate dropping so much. And also, you know, I mean, you and I both have, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of single friends. Most of my friends are are single. Like, what about you? Yeah, single in the sense of not married. Yeah. I want to start from the beginning. So we start from the beginning when you first met your now husband, Ben. But when you first knew him, obviously he was your boyfriend. You started dating. Like what? How did you meet? Tell me a bit about that. When you met Ben in 2020, 2019? End of 2019, technically, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, one day my parents told me that they were going to uh, a prayer conference. And I was I was just chilling at home that day. And then um, later that afternoon, I got a message from my mom telling me that there was a really cute boy there. And, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Love it. And she sent me a photo. Okay, this is this photo is so, <laughs> so iconic because, first of all, you can't see anything in the photo. There are like seven people in frame. So I had no idea which person she was talking about. Um. And so after that, I was just like, okay, it's just my mom, like, you know, trying to, trying to set something up here, but I have no idea who she's even talking about. So that day she came home and she told me more about this guy. What was okay. interesting is that my dad, okay, my dad ran into his army friend when he was at the conference and his army friend said, oh, like my son is playing drums on the, on the band, the worship band. And turns out that that was the guy that my mom had taken a photo wow. of, a sneaky pic of. Yeah, but wow. the common denominator here was that he attended Awakened Generation, which is a worship school in Singapore. And at the time, I was also a student that year. He was an alumni. Mm-hmm. He attended the year before. So, uh, yeah, so... You know, with Awakened Generation, we have worship nights and stuff where the students gather. So there was one worship night where my family went and his family went. And then our parents kind of introduced us to each other. That's like modern, that's like modern day arranged Modern day arranged marriage. (laughs) You should start. It was just a very casual introduction. Okay, casual. casual. So we didn't really speak much. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so... I remember going home that night and I was just like, okay, God, I I don't know if this is going to be anything. But if it is, then I pray that you will just open the doors for wow. it to happen. And so God just did exactly that, I think. Like we had no um He just kept showing like opening up ways of communication that weren't previously a thing. Okay, I fo- I followed him first and then Ben followed me back. And then after that, I was like, okay, how is... Yeah, so God opened the doors. He did it in such a way that was really effortless. I, f- I felt like a lot of peace throughout the whole process and it led to us talking to each other on Instagram and then we started texting and then, yeah, we're here now. Who, who's texted first? How did the how did you meeting and getting introduced lead to Instagram? So I went to follow him on Instagram because <laughs> his account <laughs> was private, so I couldn't see anything. You couldn't and stalk was, him, basically. Yeah, yeah, basically. And I was quite curious, so I just like requested, and then he accepted. And then I was like, okay, so what now, right? Um, and then a few weeks later, I had my graduation for Awakened Generation. He was interning with them at the time. So he was helping with like the merch booth and all of that. Yeah. So I posted my graduation set from Awakened Generation. And then he commented. And then that kind of turned into a conversation of itself. And then it ended. And then I remember like thinking, okay, is this, is this like going anywhere? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, and then and then I just kept praying. I was like, okay, hey God, I don't know if this is supposed to be something. So I remember one night I posted a picture of my dog. And then he replied, like, oh, like, such a cute dog or something. <laughs> I don't know he said. And okay. then from there, a conversation started again. And then I think I was the first one to, to say, like, hey, do you want to chat? Move this to, like, 
Telegram or WhatsApp. I can't remember what we used. I think it was Telegram. Okay. Yeah, then like, I, oh, then I said, my, here's my number. Like, um, we can chat more there if you like. And then that's how we made that switch. It's so funny because it's a mix between arranged marriage, but also it's like <laughs> Christian matchmaking. I don't know. Arranged marriage, but also you sliding into each other's DMs. So it's like a fun mix of both. Yeah, it was nice that I got to know his parents or so before kind of getting to know him as well. So, yeah. you know, you don't go through the awkward, like, oh, meet the parents face because I've already met them. Because that was the first thing you friends. did. Yeah. yeah. We kind of skipped that part, which I, I'm, I guess I'm kind, kind of thankful for because it can be a bit... Exactly. That's so interesting because, because most people usually when you meet on, let's say, an app or you meet through Instagram or you meet through a friend even... You don't get to the yeah, like what you say, you don't get to the parent stage until very later on. But for you guys, you cleared that first part. And then it was a matter of just you reaching out, you following him, and then you know, turning that into something more. That's yeah. so interesting. I think at that point, a lot of um I had a lot of peace about about him oh. and about what this was. Um, but nothing was expressed yet. So it was kind of like the where are we kind of season. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, I remember in the middle of eating ice cream, suddenly it was just like we were chatting a lot and then suddenly the com- conversation died down. <laughs> and then I just kind of like looked at him like, oh, like I, what am I going to say? Am I going to say something? Like, should I tell him <gasps> that I'm interested yeah. in him? And suddenly he turns to me and he's like, can I tell you something, Jenna? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, oh sure. My gosh. So he told me, you know, I've really enjoyed um, getting to know you the past few weeks and chatting with you. And I want to tell you that I'm interested in getting to know you more. Um, I don't want to cause you any confusion or any misunderstanding. So I thought it would be good to be just honest and upfront about my intentions, mm. which to me, I was quite impressed by that because it's so easy to let it become so gray, you know, and then parties get confused and it just becomes messy. So I was really thankful that he was so um, honest with me about what he felt. And I told him, same here, you know, let's, um, yeah, let's see where this takes us and let's just be, like communicate with each other about what's Mm. going on. Yeah. So um, then I guess we consider it, that's where we started dating. Yeah. Yeah. So we started going out one-on-one. Um, I remember uh, you said also during that ice cream date, something was happening with your parents as well. Oh, yes. So our parents, while we were at supper doing our own thing, our parents also went out for supper. So that night I went home and I was really excited because, you know, Ben had told me that he liked me and stuff. So <laughs> I went to tell my parents because we're quite close. Um, so I went into their room and before I could say anything, my mom was like, did Ben tell you that he likes, that he that he's like interested in you? And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, how, how do you know that? <laughs> and she said, um, and she asked me, what time did he tell you he was interested in you? And I was like, okay, that's a really weird question, right? Yeah, that's so precise. Yeah, then I was like, mm, I think about 9.45 or something. <laughs> and she's like, okay, interesting. And I was like, why? And she told me that at 9, I think 9.35 or 10 minutes before that, that the four parents had come together after their supper to pray for us. Not pray that we would get together because that, like, not an arranged marriage kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a bit, that, like, ooh, bit That'd much. be a bit weird, yeah. Um, but they were praying that if this, if God wants this to, if God wants us to be together or if God wants this to be anything, that it would happen. And, um... If it if it didn't happen, then you know they would trust that, yeah, this is not in God's plan for us. So they were just kind of like surrendering it to God. Whatever happens to their kids, um, of course their intentions are all good, and you know they just want to see us happy. So, uh, but yeah, they were just surrendering that to God. 
And that was done 10 minutes before Ben confessed you to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. He not wow. Me, not asked me to be his girlfriend, but just told me he's inter- interested in me. Yeah. So I think that that was quite a divine thing to hear. Um, wow. I think it was quite touching to me that the parents also had committed this to prayer. And it wasn't in like a forceful way either, because I think sometimes, you know, that would turn us off even more if parents mm. are trying too hard to, to, to make something happen. Make, yeah, exactly. It would be just uncomfortable. But it wasn't yeah. like that. And um, yeah, so I think about a few few months, well, two months later or something. Yeah, a few months later, he then asked me to be his girlfriend officially. Mm. So, um, yeah. Wow. And then how long until you guys got engaged? A year. So you dated properly for a year and then you got engaged? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so... Um, so given your age, you guys were young. You you were 23. He was 26. 26, yes. Why did you decide to just get to get engaged after a year? I mean, some people say, oh, maybe you wait two years, three years, and then get engaged, especially because you guys were so young. You got your careers were just starting out as well. Uh it's quite countercultural, I would say. Uh, just given the way things are and what dating the dating scene is like, people would say, you know, try as many things or there are many fish in the sea. Why don't you just try different options until you get the right one, until you're really, really sure of dated for two, three years, then okay, get engaged. Why was it different for you guys? I think one part of it was, um, for me, was seeing how family was modeled in my family. Mm. Yeah, my parents got married quite young as well. My mom was, I think we were the same age as our parents when we got married. My mom was 23, my dad was 26 as well. So growing up, I had seen how, um, just how much they love each other throughout the years and how being married just worked for them. Being married young, it worked out for them. Mm. And so to me, that was something that I had always kind of wished for to just be able to find my person find my husband and settle down and have a family yeah um and yeah it definitely is not the norm nowadays especially in Singapore I think now the average like a lot of people are getting married later and later mm they're prioritizing let's say career or like all these things but to me um it just felt right I just felt that this is the person that I'm sure about and that I know I want to be with and he feels the same way and we had this we had a lot of in-depth discussions on family on morals on um even kids on our beliefs and I think that we had a very similar outlook on life. And I think that that's very important for me. Um, a very similar outlook on our faith. So I guess in a sense, we thought, since we know, why not just <laughs> do it now? <laughs> just do it. Wow. And yeah. did you get any dissenting opinions? Or did you have any skepticism? Do you face any skepticism when this happened? No, actually. I think our parents, our families were very supportive of our decisions. Mm, what about friends? Friends? They were all really happy. Um, I'm sure some of them are really shocked also because it is a, a shorter timeline than than the average. Um, but in general, I would say that we didn't face any big opposition or anything. Hmm. And like you talked a bit about the the career thing and how when you were young, I mean, from a young age, you knew that this was something that you wanted for yourself. You wanted a family, you wanted to find the right guy. Um, there's a lot of just knowing what you want. And how did, and of course, there's a family bit and there's also the career bit. Because nowadays, you know, when we're in school, or when we're going through uni, it's, we're constantly thinking about 
what's the next internship I should go for? How do I make my how do I make my bucks? How do I get that bread? And you know, those are things that we think that I feel that we've kind of been trained to think about since we started schooling. Yeah. Uh how how did that factor in into your own life? Was it something you were thinking about too alongside your desire for family or I think that in terms of ambition and in terms of career, it's never really been something that I've dreamt about, I guess. Some people mm. dream about rising the ranks in their career and um, making it big and things like that. But for me, I would say that my I've always just felt like my purpose on this earth was to be a mom. And not just be a mom, but to, but to nurture children that are, I guess, good contributions to our world and are messengers of our faith. Mm. Yeah, because I feel like I believe that our time on earth is to spread the word of God and to. And what better way to do that than to like impart it to children? And I mean, what would you say to people who I get? Because I've definitely heard this narrative that you know the world is so screwed up already. Why do you want to bring more human beings into this world that's already so screwed up? You know, there's war happening, there's famine happening, there's I don't know so much crap happening. How would you? What What would you kind of say to that? I believe that there will always be evil and there will always be darkness in the world. And yes, it, I do agree that it is growing more rampant and our world is becoming a bit of a scarier place to be in nowadays. Um, but what I also believe is that we as Christians are called to be salt and light of the world. And mm. where there is light, the darkness has to flee and, and and cannot exist, cannot coexist. So, um, and we shouldn't be scared of the darkness, you know, in fact, we should. Yeah. That kind of plays into Lana's name. We wow, did have okay. some people, before we were pregnant, we did talk to some people on whether they were having kids and they did have the same sentiments on like, yeah, the world's so evil. Like, I don't want to raise my child in a world like this. And so um, when we were choosing her name, we wanted something that was very significant to all of mm. this. That you know, we're she's not just a baby that's being born. She is a her her name Lana means light. She's a precious light that's being birthed into this world, and that light is going to shine, and that light is going to spread to those around her, to people that she meets, um, and she's going to make a a positive impact in her lifetime. Wow. Yeah, I think that's so fitting because, like what you said. There's so much darkness in this world, but what? But we shouldn't look at it as something to fear when it when when we bring new life because new life in itself is beautiful. It's true, and it's also what's been sustaining generations and generations, right? Bringing in new life, and we've seen how much good life. I mean, good human beings, good people can really contribute back to society. And um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we shouldn't fear darkness, but rather, I think darkness is ra- is really the absence of light. That's what darkness is. Yeah. And there's no better way to counter it than to bring light in into the world. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's so. That's so cool. And I think it's so cool what Lana's name means as well, which is to be a light, um, in a dark place. So okay. So tell me what that was like. You know, navigating your early 20s, you found out you were pregnant. Okay, so let's backtrack a bit. Were you planning for Lana? How did that happen? <laughs> um, I Okay, I think when we, prior to getting married, we had talked about, you know, what, what we had envisioned for our family life and kids and all of that. And we both agreed that we want kids um, and that we're both, you know, quite, I guess, ready to have kids. We weren't sure mm. how how soon. Yeah, I think our rough timeline was maybe a year after we got married. So at least we had some time to spend as a couple and all of that. Um, but so I would say we were not 
trying, but we also were, were not not trying. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I found out I was pregnant three months after we got married. Um, wow. And it was it was pretty much a surprise to us. And the way that I found out was also a surprise to me. <laughs> Uh, it was it was really funny because I I knew that eventually you know we were gonna have kids so I just kind of went to buy some pregnancy tests because I was like excited for like the future to just keep these you know so I don't have to yeah just for safekeeping yeah and then I also realized that pregnancy tests in like Watsons and Guardian are super expensive they're like <laughs> thirty dollars per test or something so I went on Shopee and I bought kind of these really cheap tests from, I think it was China. Mm. Yeah. They were like a pack of 10 for $7 or something. So I was like, okay, that's such a steal. So one day it came in the mail and this was like morning time. And I was like, oh, um, haha, maybe I should just (laughs) take a test and see if it works. I don't even know. Yeah. I just, so I, I went to the toilet and Pete did the whole thing. And then two lines showed up because this is not your normal test it's like a litmus strip kind of thing okay so okay easy to tell. and all the instructions- i think i only know like you know the ones that say pregnant or not pregnant the, the yeah, very no, this was like the very fancy uh, ones yeah this was a, a cheap one <laughs> it was just lines okay. and all the instructions were in chinese and in mandarin so like i <laughs> i'm not the best at my mandarin so i couldn't really tell what I was looking at, I just knew there were two lines and I had to use Google Translate in the toilet to figure out what was happening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then it turns out that it, two lines means pregnant. So I <laughs> I just started to freak out a little bit. But I was like, okay, maybe this is this is just try, like a, it's like a manufacturing yeah, like a, problem. Yeah, maybe it's not the the test is like faulty. So I just went um I, I went up to our room and I took out like the expensive Watson's tests and then I Okay, decided. so you had two kinds. Yeah, I did, I did. And I um Ben was downstairs taking meetings that day, so uh I knew that he would be busy, he wouldn't come in. So I was just like, actually is the room I, I'm in right now. Yeah, I, I brought up everything, including my cup of pee to <laughs> test. <laughs> I locked the door because <laughs> I didn't want anyone to come in. And then everything said pregnant. Yeah, and how many tests um, did you pee on? Like three. So I bought those the X kind, and then I also yeah, bought yeah, yeah. one that says the digital one that says pregnant or not pregnant. And I told myself like I will only use the digital one if everything else shows pregnant because they were expensive. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so I took the digital one. Everything said pregnant. So I was like. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm pregnant. Okay, I think God you, has quite a... Up to this point, were you getting any any symptoms? No, not at all. So you literally just peed on the stick for fun? Yeah, I don't know anyone a normal day for me. It was supposed to be okay. a normal day. <laughs> yeah, and I found out and then I was just like, I have to tell Ben, but like, how do I tell Ben? Because tonight we both have parties like at different friends houses so it wasn't the best time and he had a busy day so yeah <laughs> it was okay. it was quite quite a rush so then do you tell him on that day no so in the end we ended up at the same party because he came over to my friend's house after he was done with his gathering and I remember just sitting across from him and and just being like, I know this huge thing that no one else knows. And like, Ben is going to know, but like he doesn't know yet. And no one in this room knows. So anyways, I slept on it, which was so hard. I was just like, okay, let me tell him tomorrow. At least maybe I have some time to go out and get some cute thing to surprise him with. So the next day when he was out, I rushed to the mall and I went to get like a little onesie Mm. and I got a box to put it in and then um he was supposed to be out for quite a while but then I suddenly got like a message that he was on the way home so I remember I ran through the mall like to get a grab home and I like rushed to set up everything and I was just like jumping everywhere I was so nervous and then finally when he came in I gave him I put everything in this box like the pregnancy test the onesie 
And I put it in the box. And I told him I have a three months, three months re gift for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he opened it and then we both just cried. Tears of joy. Oh. There also tears of shock. Yeah. And um, it was just a really, a really precious moment between the two of us. Wow. This is the first time I've heard a story where someone pees on a stick for fun and, and <laughs> actually ends up being pregnant with zero symptoms whatsoever. Yeah. That's amazing. And okay, so okay, you found out you were pregnant and then the pregnancy journey. Tell me what that was like, especially because you're also just starting out your career at the time. Um, yeah. Maybe you can tell people like what you do and what your role is like sure um i work as an executive assistant it was a really interesting time for sure because yeah like you said i was just starting out in my career just um i think i graduated uni a bit before that but yeah i think god really has a sense of humor because remember when i said that we thought of having a year to ourselves before having yeah. a kid, right? Yeah. So technically, we got pregnant three months after our marriage, and then pregnancy is about nine to ten months. So by technicality, God did give us a year <laughs> of just a few of us. Wow. Yeah, but um, the pregnancy, I had no idea what to expect. Um, the first trimester was the roughest. There were mm. periods where I thought I would I was like dying. That's how sick I felt. Um, I would wake up every day and just feel nauseous and feel um like gastric, even though I had mm. just eaten, my tummy would feel so empty and painful. And I yeah, I just felt so out of it. I was glued to my bed and it was really rough. But one day I was working at home and I felt a gush of blood. Wow. Like when you have your period, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just shocked because I was just sitting down doing nothing, like on my laptop. And I looked down and there was just blood all over the floor. Oh my God. And my immediate like instinct was just to call Ben. So I, I called him, I told him, I, I have no idea what's happening, I'm bleeding, it's quite a lot. Um, I don't know if I'm like losing the baby right now. So he rushed back from work um, and and then we went to the A&E. Oh my gosh. And the doctor checked, uh, did an ultrasound and checked what was going on. Um, and I had something called a subchorionic hemorrhage in my uterus so what that means is mm-hmm. it's like a pool of blood that has formed in the, mm. my uterine lining okay. the reason is unknown but what the doctor told us is that the baby was unaffected okay so um so yeah that was quite traumatic for me i remember just thinking that I was losing the baby like right there in front of my eyes. Um, And we had just told our friends and family as well. So Mm. all the more, it was just like, wait, what what is even going on? Yeah. So um, the following weeks, usually you you go to the gynae once a month if it's a regular healthy pregnancy. But in my case, I had to go twice a week. Um. I had to get hormone shots. I had to get hormone pills to sustain the pregnancy to hopefully um, strengthen my my womb so that it wouldn't spread. Or yeah, yeah. yeah I think the risk of the of the hemorrhage was that it the the blood would kind of move to behind the placenta and then cut the placenta off, which would okay. kill the baby. So you're basically. You did not know 100% whether something bad would happen or something good would happen. You're uncertain. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. I was put on bed rest for about six weeks. So um, we were initially staying in the top floor of our house, but then we moved down, back down because the toilet is on the same floor. So it was more convenient. 
And um, it was like quite a makeshift layout. We were staying with um, in Ben's childhood room. So I was sleeping mm-hmm. on the bed and he just like rolled out a mattress on the floor next to me. So that was our arrangement for like six weeks. And I couldn't, I was encouraged to just stay in bed and like only walk around to go to the toilet. So um, yeah. Yeah, How and did those that make days, you feel? Yeah. It was terrifying. Mm. It's the sort of thing where you just don't know what's going to happen and there's nothing that you can do as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it was like a combination of just helplessness but also just... I told myself that, like, God, I trust in you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there were many nights where we would feel just so discouraged and so worried and anxious, but we would just pray together. We'd come together and just surrender it to God. And wow. we both got to a point of surrender where we were just like, God, if if you want this baby to, to like, live and um, to be born, then we praise you and we thank you and we rejoice in that. But if that is not your plan and this baby is not meant to to be born, then we trust you as well. And we we will be okay with that if it happens. So it was really tough, but I think it taught us a lot about what faith really means. Yeah. You know, when things are not going your way and you have no idea what's going to happen, but you just trust that God has everything in, like everything in control. So that was, that was what I hung on to during those days. It's just that, you know, it's not, it's not my control. So why, why, why should I worry yeah. about it? And yeah. I think, you know, I think about what sometimes some days I just have to give up to the Lord or surrender to the Lord. Um, and it's not, it's not like a life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's more, maybe just like work or family stuff or just, you know, just some problems here and there, but but never have I ever thought, oh my, it, it's my, my child, not just a life, but my own child, you know? And I can imagine, you know, for yourself and for Ben, you're also first-time parents. So for, for you to pray those things and for you to be in a space of uncertainty, I think that's, that's incredibly heavy. It also taught you so much about faith and, and having hope as well, whatever the outcome is. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, but you know, good news is that you know, Lana is turning one tomorrow. <laughs> so she came out all good, all dandy. Uh, I wanted to talk a bit about, you know, what it was like to raise, you know, the last year of, of raising Lana and also working at the same time and figuring out your career. Uh, we, we talked about that at the start, but I know you mentioned that you're an executive assistant, you know, you graduated from university yeah. and, you know, t- tell me a bit about what made you decide to take up this EA position. Uh, yeah. Was it something that you, you knew you wanted or how did that work out? Mm. When I first graduated from uni, it was a tough time in the, um, I guess, job market economy, everything because of COVID. Yeah. So I did one year of this thing called SG United Traineeships, which the government yes. rolls out to help uni, uni graduates just like get a footing yes. in the real world first. So I did one year of um of marketing. And um after that year ended, I realized that marketing was not something that excited me. Um, mm. And I felt like my strengths lay elsewhere. And yeah. I realized like one of the things that I was good at was administrative work of like being organized of yes, you're very organizing things. <laughs> um, yeah, so one day I was looking for a job for a while, and one day I reconnected with an old friend, and she told me that, "Hey, I know this company, and they're hiring. Would you want to consider?" So mm-hmm. um, I went for the interview, and um, the company culture was really good, is really good, and the pieces fit. So um, yeah, I joined my company in 2022. Um, And I'm very thankful because I have a very good team and a very good boss. 
Um, and a lot of them are parents as well. So they understand the challenges of being a working parent. So in that sense, they've given me a lot of grace um, to like when I need to take days off to take care of Lana, when I, yeah, when I need to attend to her, things like that. So it's been working out well, thankfully. Yeah. I want to ask a, a question. Hopefully, I hope you don't get offended by it. But you're someone who, you know, you study at one of the best universities in the world. I think you graduated with double, was it a double degree? Or double no, it's a major and minor. Major in sociology and minor in theatre studies. Okay, so all that. And you decided to become an EA. And, you know, it's not something I hear about very often. A, lo- a lot of graduates from, like, your university, from, you know, NUS, you know, it's an amazing university. And I don't know any, you're the only the only one I know who, you know, decided to be an EA after. Uh, most of them would go into the corporate world or, you know, become entrepreneurs. So I don't know. But it's it's very uncommon that I hear that. Oh, okay, you know, you decided to become an EA. Uh, what, what was was what was the reasoning behind it? Do you face any pushback, especially from your parents? You know, I think the biggest question mark for this role was what about job like career progression? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but. You know, this job offers one thing that's very important, stability and flexibility. Because mm-hmm. I'm able to still care for Lana. I've worked out an arrangement with, with my company and and yeah. uh, such that I can I can work from home and I'm I'm able to they understand that I need to take care of Lana. So um we've we have a an arrangement going on that allows me to do both work and take care of Lana. Yeah, and I know, I think the funny thing is, on hindsight as well, I had no idea what I was going to do after I graduated. Yeah. When I think about sociology, I think options are a bit limited. You can't really become a sociologist per se, right? Um, yeah. Usually it goes to teaching, the realm of teaching, education. Um, mm. Theater studies, I guess you become you can become a... <laughs> A performer, but of course that is also quite challenging. Um, so I just kind of let it be a blank slate. Wow! I just wanted to try different things. I got to try marketing that that wasn't the best fit. And then I tried more administrative with this, and it seemed like a good fit. And I think um, to me as well, career progression or things like that is not that important to me what matters is that I'm able to have something that stimulates my brain in a sense and also it helps to yeah contribute something to my family wow yeah and you know that's something that I think is so refreshing to hear especially in an age of just like sometimes I think toxic female empowerment um I don't want to get slammed by people but I I think that that is the overriding narrative today that you know you can do everything a man is doing you can climb the corporate ladder you can also have children while doing it you can also still be fit and beautiful and all these different things you can have it all and i'm not quite sure to think of that narrative which is why i wanted to ask as well you know your thoughts on ambition as as women i mean you you said about you, you talked a bit about how you know this wasn't something that you were thinking about throughout your life. Uh, you kind of knew very early on what you wanted. And yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like there's no right way to go about doing things. Everyone has their own strengths. Everyone has their own um, their own their own way of seeing what they want in their futures. Yeah. Um, but I also say that you, what motherhood has taught me is that you can't have it all. Mm. So whether it's you get to climb up the corporate ladder, but you have to work overtime every night, you have to be in office all the time, which means less time with your kid. Mm. Or in the opposite sense, you could have a more flexible arrangement, maybe not a, a job that's not 
the highest paying or the highest ranking, but you have more time with your children, your family. So mm. it really is what you prioritize. Yeah, everything has a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was more the latter. I think what is most important to me in, in life is my family and investing in it and being intentional with it. Mm. Yeah. And were there any moments where, you know, you know, I, some of I mean, your friends, our common friends, you know, they are all corporate ladies. I, I'm a corporate lady. Um, were there any moments where you were co- you would, you know, I don't know, compare yourselves to these friends or if you ever felt guilty for feeling the way you did? I, I wonder. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think when you're all like, when you're growing up and you're trying to find your footing in adulthood, you look to what's happening around you, you know, like what are my friends doing? How are they navigating all of this? And there were moments where I saw where I I remember talking to Ben about this and being like, is it wrong that I don't feel this drive to rise up in my career? Mm. I don't know if that feeds into the what do you mention, the toxic female narrative that you mentioned, right? Like yeah. of how Traditionally, we have always been, our role has been to to take care of the children, to nurture the children, but yet now it's also shifting to being the top career woman, being a boss lady. Um, but Girl boss. Hashtag yeah, girl boss. Yeah, but you kind of both. So I remember kind of like going through this period where I was like, is there something wrong with that? Like, should I be wanting more for my career? Hmm. And I remember Ben telling me that, like, no, why, um, why do you need to to feel that? You know, if mm. you feel that your calling is to be a mom, there's nothing wrong with that, and it's yeah. it's like power powerful in its own way. Yeah, but yeah. I remember, and there was a time I think I mentioned this to you that I, when we um first reconnected, mm. and you were, um. I remember you were like bustling and doing a lot of things. So I remember looking at you and being like, "Wow, that's that's a girl boss." <laughs> really, I don't, I don't remember this, but yeah, and I and I really was very inspired by it because mm-hmm. I saw how your drive for that and how well you were doing. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, and oh, um, at the same time, I also thought to myself that I feel. It's not my personality type to be like that also. <laughs> well, I have to say, I also admire you just for the work you're doing with, with Lana, the mother you are to Lana, the wife you are to Ben. I think, yeah, you inspire me too, which is why you're on this podcast. That's why you're my first guest. But actually, you know, I think just to wind down a bit, would you have any advice for a girl who's kind of figuring out what she wants in life. I mean, you sit very early on in your life. You kind of knew that motherhood was something that you desired um, to have a family. It was a very clear want. And not many people are so clear about what they want very early on in life. Do you have an adv- any advice for just like a, yeah, like a girl, like 20, 20, 20 21, just trying to figure out what she wants? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I think that nowadays, taking a more traditional stance is getting increasingly looked down upon. Yeah. I feel like it gets more of a bad rap nowadays. Um, if someone says that, hey, you know, I, I don't really want to work. I want to just stay home and take care of the children. And um, I think... I think the ideal woman, the, the the picture of the ideal woman has changed a little bit in our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but to a younger me, I guess, or younger people listening yeah. to this, I would say just, just be true with yourself on what you feel gives you purpose. And don't let yourself be swayed by what you see around you, what you see other people doing. I think comparison is is 
a thief because it makes you think that maybe you're not doing the right thing or you're not good enough or mm. um, things like that. But just stay true to what you feel is authentic to you. And we all have, these are important decisions, right? They're going to affect the trajectory of your life. So choose wisely. Yeah, don't just choose something because it's trendy or something. I mean, of course, it's good to try things out. But mm. um, yeah, there's no like one way to do to do things. Yeah. Wow. And I just want to end off with this last question, which is, you know, of your 25 years, this, this podcast is called Love and Audio Diary. So it's, it features... The, less, the greatest lessons of love that I learn every week. And okay, maybe it's a tall order, but of your 25 years on this earth, you know, what, what has been a great lesson on love that you've learned? Hmm. <laughs> um, first of all, I love how your podcast covers so many different aspects of love it's not just about like romantic love you know which a lot yeah, yeah, of yeah. about now I would say to love to me love is such a beautiful empowering thing mm. it is something that the world needs more of yeah. in different senses friendship love spiritual love you know even in the workplace <laughs> um yeah one thing that I've learned is that you should love freely even though it will not be given back. Wow. Yeah. Or even if it's undeserved. Because that's, to me, that's how Jesus loves me. Yeah. That I'm so not deserving of it. But yet he chooses to do it anyways. And so I want to model that to people around me that um, even if there are times where I feel maybe it's hard, you know, but how can I love you in the same way that my God has loved me and shown that grace to me? And I feel like people thought about it like that more that I guess we would be a little bit more selfless. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That is so beautiful. And yeah, it's it's really difficult to do that, especially with people. It's easy to love someone who you like, but it's very difficult to love someone who is who's nasty to you, who doesn't treat you well. Yeah. Um but that is exactly what you know Jesus did on the cross for all of us. Mm. Uh so you know, thanks for that sharing and thank you for coming on this podcast. Thank you for being my first guest. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jenna. I'm personally so inspired by her story because I think in an age where truth is subjective, her story is really one of truth and goodness and beauty. And I think that is what the world needs more of. So thank you for listening and I'm so grateful.